science or science fiction? Well, Dr. Ray Bolin may place climate change more into fairy tale category. Ray offers an objective examination of climate change now on Probe. The phrase climate change can mean very different things. It can be a rallying cry against the shameful practice of burning fossil fuels that will cause supposedly imminent worldwide disaster. The climate change bandwagon is a way to bring about global cooperation as we fight against the danger of too much carbon dioxide in our atmosphere. Or the climate change agenda is a way for scientists who are becoming increasingly political to push for a more socialistic policy on generating electricity. This week, I'm going to examine what's really going on with the science and make an argument for not believing anything you read or hear in the regular media. There is no longer much of a middle ground. I have addressed global warming or climate change before, and I'm becoming increasingly convinced that the entire enterprise of human-induced climate change is a monumental and brazen attempt to hoodwink the global public into thinking we have jeopardized our future and drastic action is necessary. Essentially, a group of climate scientists have used the power of the United Nations and their own reputations as scientists to proclaim that we must cut back severely on the use of fossil fuels such as coal, oil, and gas. This will prevent the rising levels of carbon dioxide in our atmosphere from generating a runaway global warming that will lead to droughts, flooding, hurricanes, tornadoes, rising sea levels, etc., that will endanger our future on the earth. This apocalyptic vision can seem quite threatening. Scientists are objective, right? They're not going to promote something the evidence doesn't support, are they? Well, scientists are human, and their worldview will affect their conclusions, and I'm convinced that some scientists are presenting a scenario of human-induced global warming that the scientific evidence simply does not support. The supposed villain in this scenario is the gas carbon dioxide. You might not know that this natural and necessary gas is such a bad guy, according to the doomsayers. Tomorrow on Probe, I'll investigate the history of carbon dioxide in our atmosphere and potentially negative and positive effects of increasing its concentration in the air we breathe. You've been listening to Probe with your host, Dr. Ray Bolin. This is definitely one of those programs you'll want to revisit especially since there are virtually no trustworthy media sources dealing with climate change. So get your free transcript at probe.org. That's probe.org. Then join us next time here on Probe. This week, I'm discussing the possibility that humans, through the excess burning of fossil fuels, are jeopardizing the future of the entire planet. Previously, this has been referred to as anthropogenic, meaning human, global warming, but is now referred to simply as climate change. The evil villain in this scenario is carbon dioxide, which you get from burning coal, oil, and gas products. Carbon dioxide is known to be a greenhouse gas. No one disputes this. The relevant question remains, are humans putting too much carbon dioxide into the atmosphere, producing a warming that may not stop until the planet exceeds a livable temperature? As I mentioned, carbon dioxide is a greenhouse gas. This means that when sunlight hits the Earth's surface, some of that energy is radiated back into the atmosphere and captured by carbon dioxide. The carbon dioxide then remits this radiation as heat warming the atmosphere. This is a good thing. 
water, carbon dioxide, methane, and a few other gases allow the Earth to keep enough of the sun's radiation and provide a cozy temperature for life around the Earth. But as we all know, there can be too much of a good thing. Many climate scientists are exclaiming that we have added too much carbon dioxide over the last 150 years too fast, and the resulting warming is jeopardizing the greenhouse balance. The Earth has warmed over the last 150 years by about 1 degree Celsius or 1.5 degrees Fahrenheit. But is carbon dioxide to blame? CO2 levels rose from around 280 parts per million in 1900 to 400 parts per million today. There does seem to be a correspondence. However, we can obtain temperature data for the last 4,000 years from various sources deemed quite reliable in published documents. The data show that the peak temperature around 1500 BC was 2 degrees Celsius warmer than today. Around 200 BC, temperatures were 1.5 degrees Celsius warmer than today. And around AD 1100, temperatures were a full degree Celsius warmer than today. Those warmings could not have been induced by the burning of fossil fuels. Tomorrow, more about carbon dioxide. This week I'm discussing the correlation between increasing levels of carbon dioxide and rising temperatures across the globe. Certainly, carbon dioxide levels have been increasing due to the burning of fossil fuels over the last 150 years. And the average global temperature has risen by 1 degree Celsius or nearly 1.5 degrees Fahrenheit. But are the two linked in any way? Has the increase in atmospheric carbon dioxide caused the temperature increase? First, carbon dioxide is a trace gas in our atmosphere. 78% of our atmosphere is nitrogen, and 21% is oxygen. The remaining 1% is mostly argon gas and CO2 comprising only 0.04%. So when we are told that carbon dioxide has risen from 280 parts per million around 1900 to 400 parts per million today... That means the level of CO2 has risen from about 3 parts per 10,000 to 4 parts per 10,000. That's not a lot of CO2. Second, carbon dioxide is plant food. Photosynthesis takes carbon dioxide from the air and water from the ground and uses the energy from sunlight to make the sugar glucose the foundation of nearly all plant and animal life. The terrific book, Inconvenient Facts, tells us the increased CO2 means more plant growth, more food production, and increased soil moisture since the plants don't need to keep their pores open as long and therefore lose less moisture through their leaves, leaving more moisture in the ground. Third, if we use the age of the Earth as estimated by the climate change community, we learn that our current level of carbon dioxide is as low as it has ever been. I don't know how they arrive at these estimates, but published data say that carbon dioxide levels have been as high as 20 times what they are now, and temperatures were certainly not 20 times higher. To sum up what I have reviewed today, carbon dioxide is necessary for plant growth, carbon dioxide is a trace gas, and simply doesn't have the power to alter climate by itself. And carbon dioxide has been many times higher in the past. Tomorrow, I'll address the far-fetched predictions of climate catastrophe coming our way and look at what the data says. 
One of the tactics of the climate change community is to publish and threaten that increased global temperatures will result in more severe and more frequent extreme weather events. Droughts will become more frequent and severe. Local flooding will become more frequent and severe. Catastrophic storms like tornadoes and hurricanes will become more frequent and severe. Basically, any form of severe weather will only get worse. One source said that the impacts of climate change are expected to increase the frequency, intensity, and duration of droughts. So let's take a look at a few. The EPA's own drought index shows far more severe droughts in the 1930s and 1950s than we have experienced in the last 60 years. Even globally, the frequency and severity of droughts has declined as global temperatures and CO2 increase. Another form of severe weather that is supposed to increase are tornadoes. In 2011, Paul Epstein said in The Atlantic that the recent trend of severe and lethal tornadoes is part of a global trend toward more storms. Well, guess what? The actual trend of severe tornadoes at F3 or above is decreasing. And overall, the number of tornadoes is decreasing. In fact, 2016 saw the fewest tornadoes in the United States ever recorded. So once again, the models and extremists are wrong. Concerning hurricanes, you need to be a little careful. The U.S. National Climate Assessment of 2014 stated that the intensity, frequency, and duration of North Atlantic hurricanes have all increased since the early 1980s. That's true. But if you look at the long-term trend going back to 1920, instead of just the last few decades, the trend is downward. If you look at the frequency and severity of hurricanes for the whole Earth, the trend is slightly downward. And the period between 2006 and 2017 saw no major hurricanes make landfall in the United States. Whenever a severe weather event occurs in the United States, you can be sure the media will seize the opportunity to exclaim about how climate change is increasing storms overall. Just don't believe it. This week I've been talking about the threats of increasing extreme weather as a result of human-caused global warming or climate change. As I've tried to show, all these threats have no basic in the scientific evidence. You have probably heard that because of the excessive warming, glaciers will melt and sea levels are expected to rise and inundate low-lying island chains and coastal communities. Simply put, um, no. Sea levels have been rising for a few thousand years, and the rate of increase went up way before humans began burning fossil fuels. Sea levels are rising, about one inch per decade, and the rate of rise is not changing. Well, so what about glaciers, the Arctic ice, Antarctica? Well, Arctic ice has been receding over the last 30 years, but that will not cause sea levels to rise since that's floating ice. Some glaciers indeed have been receding, but they began doing so before humans began burning all that fossil fuel. But even as some of these glaciers recede, they are revealing remnants of forestation, proving that they had receded previously with no help from humans. Lastly, some Antarctic ice is receding, but overall, Antarctica is gaining ice, not losing it. And polar bears are doing just fine, increasing in numbers, not declining. In closing, let me offer a few words of advice. First, disregard almost everything you read and hear in the regular media outlets 
Most of these journalists or reporters have little scientific training, and they are simply repeating what they have heard from extreme environmental groups who they trust. Second, ignore what you hear from most government officials, elected or appointed. They have bought the narrative for their own political gain and don't likely understand the science involved. Last, let me suggest you research two organizations for more balanced information. First, the Cornwall Alliance, a group of evangelical Christians who are concerned about the environment and accurate information. Second is a group known as CFACT or CFACT and their website Climate Depot. They repeatedly attend various climate change conferences around the world and consistently stump climate change extremists. Bottom line, I encourage you to be skeptical concerning just about anything you encounter when it comes to climate change.